Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Listen to this. You see, in the realm of the spirit, awareness is a crucial principle of encounter. He says, those who come to him must believe that he is and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek. Why is he telling you that? Because if you just stay lackadaisical, waiting to see what will happen, nothing will happen. Because you can be right in the epicenter of the move of God and not even know it. So those who come must first believe that he is and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek. So there is a disposition of the heart where you know that I will get what I came here for. The theme of the service is catch fire. So I'm ready. Uh, that's how it works. There has to be intent and determination. The Bible says that woman with the issue of blood said before she left the house, if I may just touch. Listen, there has to be confirmations in your heart before you come here. A readiness and an intention. Intentionality. And you determine it has to be today. This is the place of encounter. <laughs> this is the service where prayerlessness dies. This is the place where my flesh You know, in that place, God told Moses, he said, take off your shoes. He says, because the place where you are standing is holy ground. And you might have many theological explanations for why he told him to do that. But the reality is, what Moses did gave his mind an expectation. And I'm telling you, it's so important. You have to recognize where you are and the possibilities that are staring you in the face hallelujah so are you ready do you understand what this service is about so just take a few minutes worship him one more time worship him one more time lift your hands lift your hands worship him right now worship him right now Thank you, Lord. All right, I have something to share with you briefly, then we pray. Prayer is the main reason we're here today. Turn your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. I have a lot to share with you, so we're going to breeze through many verses, so we can as well read the first one. You know, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Read together, one to go. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, you have to realize that the moment you believed in Jesus, you became different. And that even if nothing changed about you physically, everything changed about you spiritually. You are so fundamentally different, it ought to show. 
And this text is loaded with highlights of your difference. He says, you are chosen. Can you say, I'm chosen? And then he says, you are royal. You are royalty. Say, I'm royalty. And then he says, you're peculiar. Say, I'm peculiar. Highlighting your difference. He doesn't stop there. He says, he has called you out of darkness into marvelous, not just light, but marvelous light. That's to tell you the contrasts and the metaphors tell you how radically different you are and how obvious your difference ought to be. You were darkness, now you are light, marvelous light. There is an intensity to your light. So you have to understand the nature of redemptive provisions. It is demonstrative by design. God expected what he did in the new creation to show. By design. By design. Both in this world and in the world to come. About the world to come, he says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. He says the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. God likes to show off and show forth what he has done in you. Ephesians 2, 7. It says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. He wants to show it. It ought to show. And he, in fact, he used metaphors and parables to describe how ridiculous it is to conceive the idea of a Christian whose difference is not obvious. He said, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. I mean, that's how obvious your difference is. You, in your world, you are light. You stand out that much. Just the same way everyone in a city can see a house on a hill. That's how obvious your difference is. If you blend in, be afraid. Did you hear what I said? And so, you embrace God's provision for your life when you abominate the ordinary life. You see how abnormal it is for you to be normal. It starts there. He says I'm chosen. He says I'm peculiar. There's something peculiar about me. There is something noteworthy about me. People ought to notice it. You know, I remember um, the final roommate I had in my final year. I think I've told you this story before. His name is Daniel. After about two weeks of staying in the room, he pulled out a chair and he said, sit down, I want to talk to you. And I was looking at him like, oh, that's interesting. So I sat down and he began to interview me. He said, since you entered this room, I've been seeing some things wearing white and passing fast. <laughs> what are those? He said, they are angels, right? I said, yes. And he said, that day you were praying, I felt something. He said, do you feel like that all the time? I said, yes. He was interviewing me. And whether or not your difference is noticed in that manner, it must be noticed. There is something about religion that makes it feel 
makes us feel it is okay for us to just play church and fear what others fear. Someone with jazz will threaten you. Eh? And you'll be scared. I gave an illustration on the mid- in, during the midweek service. I hope you tuned in. Yes, sir. I said, just imagine someone telling you, oh, wow, today was rough. And you say, how, how so? And you say, a trailer ran over me earlier today. Uh, you'll be like, what? A, a what? A toy one or an actual one? Because if a trailer runs over you, you're not going to have to tell anyone. They will know. Your body go tell you and you go tell them. And that's how strange it is for you to say theoretically that the same spirit that hovered over the face of the deep and preempted God saying, let there be light at the beginning of the world lives and resides in you. I mean, the force that backed up the creation of the whole universe lives and resides in you. And there is no practical evidence of that. That's strange. Abominate that idea. Listen, you can't, you can't rise in favor in your devotion if you think it's okay to just be ordinary. God himself has said you're not ordinary. Hallelujah. And that's what I want to prove to you in this service. How different you are. How peculiar you are. And how weird you ought to be in the eyes of the natural man. And there's a way Paul used to do these things. There was a particular way Paul showed the excellency of the glory of the new creation in Christ. He used it to contrast, you know, the Old Testament. It's um, a how much more strategy to say, if David was like this, how much more you? If Elias was like this, how much more you? And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, he says, for if the ministration of condemnation had glory... The ministration of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. That's, that's comparison, right? He says, for even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect. Like you, you can't even compare. He says, because of the glory that excels. You see, one simple way to establish this distinction is comparison. That's the principle of the grading system in our academics. Someone had B, someone had C. They are not the same. It's comparison. And so to explain... How much more glorious your life ought to be. I want to talk to you about Elijah. If there was anybody who emphasized difference for a person who follows God, the true living God, it was Elijah. He called 450 prophets of Baal. And he said, let's stop theologizing and having apologetics debates about which God is the true God. Set your altars, let us set mine. And let me pray. The God that answers by fire. Let him be God. That's simple and straightforward, isn't it? Hallelujah. And so now with your new creation in Christ's mindset and everything, and rightly so, 
there is still a lot to learn from Elijah. A lot has changed. There are a lot of things Elijah said and did that we cannot say and do. Contrary to the popular song, these are not the days of Elijah. These are the days of the new creation in Christ. Did you hear that? You know, um, for instance, <laughs> some people are still fascinated with Elijah, you know, and with all the extremities and bringing his Old Testament context into modern day reality. The disciples were like that. They were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration and they saw visions of Moses and Elijah. And they wanted to trap that Old Testament vision with them. They said, let's build tents. Let Elijah and Moses stay. But as they were still talking, the voice of God interrupted. The cloud appeared and the voice thundered from it. This is my beloved son. Stop looking for Elijah and Moses when you have found Christ. This is my beloved son. Hear him. And then what happened next was very, very symbolic. The visions of Elijah and Moses disappeared and all they saw standing in front of them was Jesus. But, you know, we live in a generation that is so dramatic that figures like Elijah will always catch our attention. So those guys, I mean, they were still enamored by the encounter. Ah, we saw Elijah. And so right after that, Jesus told them he wanted to go into Jerusalem to preach. He sent them ahead of him. Go and prepare the city. They went and then the city rejected them. They came back angry. Can you imagine Jesus? They wouldn't let us in. Let us call down fire like Elijah. That encounter had not left them. They wanted to be like Elijah. Let's call down fire like Elijah. And to this, Jesus responded. Luke chapter 9. Open your Bibles quickly. Luke chapter 9, verse 55. The Bible says, but he turned and rebuked them. This is why consistency in Bible study is important. Jesus is rebuking someone for trying to be like Elijah in this particular context. He turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are. You have missed the intent and the motives of the spirit of Christ and his operation. And then he tells them what it is. He says, for the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Listen, your motives. Are you getting this? Your motive is not to destroy. Listen, power is to draw people in. You remember what I taught you on Wednesday? The purpose of the power is conversion. So that people will see and repent. Not that people will see and be destroyed. He says, the son of man did not come to destroy lives, but to save lives. And so here is one major difference between the days of Elijah and the days of Christ. The, Elijah had fire, Jesus had fire. But the fire of Elijah destroyed, the fire of Christ transforms. So the Bible tells us in Acts 2, that as they were in that upper room praying, suddenly there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. And then cloven tongues as of fire sat on the head of everyone. And they didn't die. Their lives changed. And they began to speak with tongues as the Holy Ghost gave them utterance. So now, the fire is different. Even John the Baptist foretold the fire that will be, you know, in this dispensation. In Matthew chapter 3, from verse 11 to 13, Matthew 3, 11 to 13, it says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Oh, glory to God. 
You're going to be so blessed today. Did you hear what I said? John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. Whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And he tells us what that fire is going to be. His winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor. That fire will, be pu will, will purify the hearts of men. It will be a fire of consecration and sanctification, not destruction. So things have changed. Like I said, these are not the days of Elijah. These are the days of Christ. And the fire is different. The purpose of the fire is different. The altar is different. We no longer rear up physical altars and put up physical sacrifices because the true Lamb of God has been slain. Amen. And so the Bible tells us this in Romans chapter 12 verse 1. And so that you can see that the altar has changed and the sacrifice has changed. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living what? So I am the sacrifice and I am the altar. It says, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So, here is what we can learn from Elijah. Elijah had his altar in the Old Testament context. And he knew that he could do something charismatically for fire to come on that altar. He knew something that many believers in Christ still don't know. Many believers in Christ are saying, Oh God, if you will put your fire on me. Oh God, if I will just be full of your spirit. Even Elijah was calling down fire. He was not waiting for fire. What if you knew that you could call down fire? And even if the altar is your very body, that the fullness of the Spirit is not something to hope for and something that can happen once in a while when there is a revival meeting, that with your words, you can ignite something on your inside. With your words, you can set your prayer life ablaze. With your words. David knew this also. In Psalm 103, he stepped out of himself and said, Bless the Lord, oh my soul. How do you talk to yourself like that? That's self-talk. Some people are like, I, I just defeated and say, Oh, pastor, I don't know. I'm not praying how I should. David did not talk like that. He commanded his emotions, commanded his desires. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Have you learned to command yourself that way? Command your desires that way? Don't just be defeated and say, I'm, I'm not praying as I should. You command yourself to pray. Don't say, I've not been filled with the Spirit for a while. You command yourself to be filled with the Spirit. Charismatic ministry, as the name implies, is the word from which we have charisma. It is a part of your nature. It can be controlled. You have to see your part in it. He says the spirit of a prophet is subject to the who. Meaning I can control it. That's why Paul could teach about order in the administration of tongues gifts. So when I want to, I can keep quiet. And when I want to, I can talk. It doesn't take a hold of me. It's not an accident. 
I can be intentional about it. He said, quench not the spirit. Meaning I, as great as the spirit is, he's not a bully. He's going to walk with your will. If you decide to quench the spirit in your life, you can. Then he now says, fan the flames of spiritual gifts. You, you can encourage the ministry of the spirit in your life. This is Charismatic ministry 101. You have to learn it. Elijah knew it. David knew it. How is it that you have just stayed where you are? Dragging in your walk with God. Ah, those days when I used to be prayerful. Ah, what do you mean by that? That can change today. And it starts with you deciding that you want it to change and knowing that you can change it. Hallelujah. There's something you can do about it. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. I want to finish on time so that we'll have enough time to pray. Ephesians 5 18. Have you opened your Bibles? Thank you, Jesus. Ah. Ephesians 5.18, read together, one, two, go. Read it again, one, two, go. Read it one more time, one to go. Now, he makes this comparison on, on purpose. When you get drunk with wine, with natural wine, it's not an accident. If you ever saw a drunk person who said, I don't know how it happened, the person is lying. You did something. And not just did you do something, you did something to a certain degree. You didn't have just one small cup. You didn't just have a sip. You kept taking until it hit. You went from being tipsy to full intoxication. And he tells you that's the idea you ought to have when it comes to the fullness of the spirit. You don't wait for it to happen. There's something you can do. To be full of the Spirit. It's an instruction. Be filled. Maybe the reason why your walk with God has been dragging this long is because you have been waiting for God to do something. Meanwhile, God is waiting for you to do something. You are praying, God, do something about my prayer life. And he's saying, son, do something about your prayer life. God, do something about, you know, my study life. And he's saying, daughter, do something about your study life. You can't be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is something that can happen repeatedly. So I already told you about Acts 2. They were filled with the Spirit and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. But the Bible tells us in Acts 4 that when they were being persecuted, they gathered themselves together and they prayed for boldness to evangelize. And as they prayed, the place where they were shook. 
And as the place where they were shook, the Bible says they were filled with the Spirit. Same people who were filled in Acts 2 were filled with the Spirit and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. So you can be filled with the Spirit. You can be intentional about it. You know, I remember one day in school, I was working with some friends and one of them was very funny. He had a great sense of humor. We're going for a program. Not a program I hosted, you know, but we're going for a program. And as we're going, he was, one of them was cracking jokes. We were laughing, laughing, laughing. We got to the door of the program. We're still laughing. We got inside. I was still laughing. The jokes had stopped. But you know when you're reminiscing what the person said and you're laughing? And I got forward in that mood. And then the person hosting said, I'm going to give you a few minutes. You're going to minister. And then I picked up the mic. I said, there is someone here. You are wearing pink, a pink shirt. And in your pocket is an inhaler. The Lord said, I should tell you, you won't have need of it again. I got that testimony later, you know. The guy said, he looked at his friend. I said, now you now, you know. (laughs) You know. And his friend was healed instantly. Never needed that inhaler again. So my friends who were laughing with me, cornered me and said, "Ah, you were just laughing now. How did you enter? Hallelujah. That's what I'm here to teach you. Thank you, Lord. Focus on the Lord right now. You are beautiful in all your ways. Oh, you are beautiful in all your ways. Hallelujah. So the moment that man of God told me, when he told me you're going to preach, I just stepped aside. Stand to your feet, everybody. And I stretched out my hands. And as I say what I said, you say with me. Of course, I'm going to put more words in this particular context as it applies to you. I said, Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit. You live in me. You walk in me. And it's for a time like this that you came in me. These signs shall follow them that believe. In your name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick. And the sick shall recover. Oh, I declare right now. That I'm full of you from the crown of my head to the tip of my toes I'm dripping with glory those who see me recognize it those that I touch feel it everywhere I go your presence is felt and discerned oh I take from within me and I put upon me right now I'm full of your spirit I'm full of the Holy Ghost. Feel free to pace the floor. Say, I'm full of the Spirit. I'm full of the Spirit. There's no mediocrity in my life. I'm full of the Spirit. 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 Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now listen. 
This is the most important part when it comes to charismatic ministry. This is the difference between religious people and actual spiritual people. When you're praying, making declarations like this, you have to expect what you are saying. Or oh, the Lord is touching people already. You have to, you ought, you ought to expect it. So once in a while, lift your head from between your knees and ask someone to look. Look at the sky. Because as I'm praying, something ought to change. Listen, the change is something noticeable. When Elijah called fire, the fire came. Everybody saw it. Listen, before the fire came, there was water on the altar. He told them to pour water. Some of you, water might metaphorically represent habits and things, you know, that easily beset you and things that have been, you've been struggling with. Some of you is guilt of past sins and the devil has kept lying to you. Your work with God will never get back to the way it is. Listen, there was water and fire licked up the water. Licked up the sacrifice. Because Elijah called down fire, how much more the new man in Christ? So you are going to call fire on your altar. All right? And you're going to watch what is going to happen. You will just realize your prayer life will change. Your prayer, you become vibrant. All right? You become that drag in your spirit. All the debris is about to disappear. All right? You're about to bask in glory right now. You're just simply making the declarations of David. Only this time you have the spirit within you. You say, my soul catch fire. Enough of mediocrity. My soul bless the Lord. From now on, I bring an end to prayerlessness. Begin to pray right now. I'm on fire. I'm on fire. I'm on fire for Jesus. I put fire on my altar. I put fire on my altar. I bring an end to every barrier, every hindrance. My spirit worship your maker. Make sure you are praying. Make sure you are praying. And as you pray, pay attention. Because I'm telling you, you are seeing answers. You are seeing answers. You are seeing answers. Ratong 
Zombe lera tonge sabea Bale menone ndivrete gibe etosa Arandonge ndigide bendongeza Bale menendongre tongri dabadebe Prendondere bidigede bakatongre Latakatoke Impeleronde lepe kokresikeha Impetele mondo katoke Impelere tongresate Aratongresato Ine mahaya Telemadogo bohoye Tekemandungi to kateges In Jesus mighty name we prayed Elijah knew that God answers by fire The Holy Ghost and fire were used as synonyms many times. Fire being a metaphor of the Holy Spirit and his influence. And God says, which one of you that is a father will have a son ask for bread? And instead of a bread, he gives him a stone. Or ask for fish, and instead of fish, he gives him serpents. He said, if you then been evil, know to give good gifts. He says, how much more? Remember what I told you about how much more? Shall the Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Some of you are already saved. You have the Holy Spirit in you, which makes it even easier. So what you need is a stare. And God answers by fire. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. One, time, one more time, the theme of the service is catch fire. This is supposed to be a sponsorship in your walk with God. Hallelujah. A sponsorship. Sponsorship. Thank you, Father. Give the Lord a shout of praise. <laughs> Rejoice. Joy in the Holy Ghost. I've got joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy. Joy. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7000. Blessings. Blessings.